0: because sin is like leaven, it it starts out small, but it just spreads and and who knows what you'll be if you let it go without, without trying to check it.
1: Welcome to the Stand Firm Podcast. I'm Nick Lannon of Grace Anglican Church in Louisville, Kentucky, here with Matt Kennedy of the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton, New York, and J.D. Coke of Christ Anglican Church in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. How are you guys today?
2: Great. Yeah, doing well, Nick.
1: We're recording this on Ash Wednesday morning. What do you guys do at your churches to observe the day? I start
0: off with... Um, whips in the back,
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. dirty lashes. Dirty S- self flagellation.
2: Yeah, exactly. I put oil. I put oil on my head and stand on a street corner and make sure that people see my righteousness. You practice uh, your piety before, before men. Yeah, it's exactly right. I, I read that I was supposed to do that somewhere. Ironically, um, or not around appropriately on Ash Wednesday. So that's when I'm. but okay. so we do normal services. We have actually we we're trying something new this year. We have a family service. Um, with sort of like interactive stations for the kids which is going to be interesting we burn the palms in front of them and oh, wow. have a, um, have like an explanation of the ashes and the cross so I, I didn't have anything to do with it I'm just the the clergy oversee, oversight okay. person we have a wonderful children's minister who's very creative and so looking forward to that so we, we advertise it It was the service for people with young children or who don't mind young children that was the <laughs> <laughs> So we'll see who shows up.
1: (laughs) Well, it seems like we are definitely several of us having some um, computer issues. So you listeners, if you hear weird edits or that kind of thing, we're doing the best we can here on an Ash Wednesday morning. Um, You guys, it seems that another evangelical celebrity has been discovered to have had a pretty hideous sexual sinful life. This time it's Ravi Zacharias guilty of soliciting and hiding hundreds of pictures of women abusing women during massages and at least one rape allegation. And this comes on the heels of the Carl Lentz situation at Hillsong in New York, which he pretended to be another person entirely in order to seduce and have affairs. Um, These uh, quote, falls from grace as they're called which is a phrase that we should definitely talk about uh, have led to a cultural reckoning of sorts with evangelical attitudes towards sex toward their relationship and the power therein between evangelical men and the women in their lives, and so on. And what used to mostly be attributed to the celebrity of the, quote, fallen pastors is now being attributed just as much to their evangelicalism itself. This kind of bad behavior, some want to say, is a natural outgrowth of evangelical belief. So, guys, we've been talking a lot recently about evangelicals and what they, or we, think about sex. Is there a dark side that we're not acknowledging here? Are evangelicals more prone to sexual misbehavior than other people, either non-believers or more progressive Christians? Or is it just the alleged hypocrisy of it all that leads the world to weep and gnash its teeth like this?
0: I mean, you read, I I don't know how anyone can say that when, you know, we the Roman Catholic Church is, is going through its own uh, amazing level of, of of depravity with with their with their priests.
1: Well, Sean Penn would lump us in with them, right? He wants oh, right, he, wa- right. He, he, he wants it's evangelicals to be excommunicated by the Vatican.
2: That's right. Yeah, he's, he's, he's we're all tools of satin. <laughs> <laughs> we are possessed by Satan. That's right. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I mean the Roman Catholic Church, but I mean even within, without outside of Christendom, I mean, um, you know, Buddhists monasteries are often uh, scenes for this sort of thing. It's human. not to mention
1: Harvey Weinstein
0: and yeah, I mean, you know, the sec like, like the secular priest Harvey mm-hmm. Weinstein, right? So it's it, this is the, the fact that you can lay this at the feet of anyone, any one religious tradition is um, is specious. Uh, it's a it's a human problem because human beings are sinners and we're depraved, and um and it may there may be more. There may be a, a, a unique aspect to it within evangelicalism because, and I think you mentioned this earlier, because of the celebrity culture. I mean, because evangelicalism has has does tend to platform people who they think will be seen as you know winsome and and charismatic by the world because that's that's what I think the modern evangelical world tries or uh, uh, ethos tries to do is let's show the world where we're likable, we're like them, we're charismatic, we're the hip thing going on. Um, that that kind of idea produces celebrity pastors, produces celebrity apologists like Ravi Zacharias. Um, and then of course celebrity comes with its own, with its own problems. If you're a celebrity, you can more easily um, isolate yourself in certain ways. Uh, you you get a big get a big head and think you're you're capable of getting away with things you're uh, other people aren't. Um, people trust you in ways they shouldn't. Um, and so, yeah, the celebrity. I think, I think, in some sense, there may, there, there may be a specific way that evangelicalism ha- is more prone to it because of its, because of its, the, the embrace of the celebrity culture.
2: Well, I think it's as as prone in that respect um, as any celebrity culture. The difference being that that ostensibly within Christianity, I would say, and maybe specifically evangelicalism. Um, there is a morality aspect to it uh, where it's not being celebrated. I mean, most people want to become celebrities so that they can, in fact, have uh, fulfilled their voracious sexual appetites. Like, that seems to be one that's of the why it, you become you a know, celebrity. That, why that's right. That's... It seems to be one of the main reasons people want to be rich and famous. Um, and so, you know, and that's certainly as we see, um, you know, even just, well, the Me Too movement exposed the underside of it, but there is a, there is a, um, alive and well, one imagines, sort of consensual. Sort of environment um, in the non-evangelical celebrity world that is perfectly fine with this, and I think that's your intro, Nick. That part of the the difficulty we're running into is that the there is a there is this hypocrisy, and that people love to um, you know we're, we're our, our fallen human nature sort of celebrates. Uh, when hypocrites are called to the carpet you know and i think that's that's the real one of the real tragedies of this is that there's this marked uh branding of um this quite radical countercultural statement of christianity uh evangelicals in particular with respect to the sexual culture of the age and so when a leader falls in this particular area you know it is i think it is um it is particular not just egregious but it's also um highlighted because there are so many people around who are saying, you know, I told you so, you know, this is an impossible commitment, an impossible an impossibly ridiculous high standard that, um, that no one could really believe, uh, could be fulfilled. And so when people walk into that, then it just, it confirms their, their sort of bias against it, I think, or at least, at least it's celebrated. I mean, I think it's, you know, if you had a bunch of, um, it's the same way when you have people. Uh, well, it's just hi- hypocrites, you know. That's what people don't. People, people are. I don't want to say edified, but it is sort of you know, it's a confirmation bias. When you when you want something, when you want you you you're judged by someone's stance, and then they fall the same way that you are acting, and then it's a, a cause for celebration. And I think that's why we see so much press about this, in in, in part.
1: And then yeah. when people go back and look at the quotes of these. Men, either previous to what happens or quotes of other evangelicals about them, they find things about um, the authority of God, the plan of the Lord, the omniscience and omnipotence of God. And they start to they they say things and you'll see these in, in these long tweet threads, even this week, that what these men are saying is that I did this because I am this way, there is something about me that I cannot control. And so then the evangelical critic says, they're saying that God made them like this and that that excuses it. And this total jump from the creation over this, the incursion of sin into the world, which is what these evangelicals are actually really talking about. And the 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 critic doesn't understand that at all. It's just a, this this man is saying that God made him this way, and isn't that the most evil thing you've ever heard? Yeah, no,
0: I think I mean I think without a a robust understanding of the fall and of the, of the power of the flesh, yeah, of course people are going to misunderstand um, both both the evangelical reaction to what happened and what happened. I don't think that too many people should be should express shock in one sense. I mean, we are. I, I, being a pastor or being a apologist especially being someone uh, with that kind of power and prestige does not make one immune to to sin and it's not it's never been the christian claim never been the christian claim that when you become a christian become a person um in the sense that in the sense that if you measure one person who's in the church versus one right. person who's outside the church the one who's in the church is necessarily going to be better St. Paul um,
1: called himself the chief of sinners. Right.
0: right. We I mean we do claim that by sanctification, we get better over time. But depending on where we start off, I mean, you know, I, I could start off being really, really, I, I, my natural fleshly state could be much worse than, you know, Joe Schmo outside the church. And after 20 years of sanctification, I might just reach his level. You, know, so, uh, you can't see, you can't You can't compare the two. The church is, as many times we've said this before, is the hospital for sinners. Now, that being said, there are some definite qualifications for people who take on the role of leadership in the church the elders and the pastors and so if anyone i think if any if a the pastors caught in this kind of behavior or pastors engaged in this kind of behavior he shouldn't be a pastor anymore that, that he's, he's disqualified but but we but we shouldn't sit there and and act as if um this is uh, uh, uh i'm not talking about necessarily robbie here i don't want to talk about robbie specifically later on but we shouldn't when we see someone fall like that, we shouldn't necessarily say, well, all of his profession was a was a was a lie. It was right. he didn't really believe his totally, his hypocrisy shows that he was all just cynically using his office for for the manipulation of people. Maybe it was that, but but more often than not, it's he, it's a it's a it's a man with a lot of responsibility or a woman with a lot of responsibility who 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 did not keep watch over his or her soul and fell into deep sin and is yeah. now falling.
1: And even as we talk about Sanctification as a growth in holiness, it's sort of, I don't know if you all will like this illustration, but it's. I like to imagine it as, if we imagine it as something like climbing a ladder, that's true, but we're sort of, because of our sin nature, always on the last rung, so at any moment, despite our climb, despite the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can find ourselves like Rafi Zacharias, crumpled at the bottom of the ladder in desperate need of the saving grace of Jesus Christ again, just as much as we were the hour we first believed.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, someone likened the Christian sanctification to maybe, you know, a rocky stock market. You, know, you, you might you might be able to graph a, a line um, going going vertically up, but, but you don't, but that line is, just, if you just measure by the peaks, you don't you know, see the sharp drops. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: this,
1: so yeah, this is not a visual years, medium, Matt. <laughs> I'm, I'm,
2: in my hands, but yeah. You, know, just, <laughs> you can time, imagine what I'm saying. Yeah. That's
0: right. And then over time, the, the star stock market may it better, right. but there's right. many depressions and, and and repressions throughout the whole uh, recessions throughout the whole um, the whole journey. Um, so that I think it's a good way of thinking about about syndication. So in Robbie's case, I mean, I think we do need some specific distinctions because, you know, he, he, his was not just a, a guy falling into sexual sin. I mean, he, he was it, the, with him. There was and I think this is what maybe surprised people. There was a there's a studied aspect to it. There was a planned aspect to it. There was an ongoing, consistent, apparently unrepentant manipulative aspect to it. There was possibly rape. Um, it was not, it was not just, this was not, this was not technically consensual behavior. Some of these women were at her pay, his pay. He would, he would use uh, money and favor and, um, and threat, um, threats against them. So, so it's not just some guy falling to his last. This, this is kind of premeditated planned over many, many years, which I think makes it even more egregious and yeah. devastating to his yeah. witness into the church.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, there's no way around it, how disturbing it is. I mean, I I remember reading his book, Jesus Among Other Gods back in college, and it was, um, uh, you know, quite moving and powerful in my life. And so, you know, and I remember before he died, when the allegations arose and he was defending himself and you know i wanted to believe um you know i wanted to believe his story which was that he had been sort of trolled by someone and had received some unwanted text messages that were explicit and he immediately deleted them and all you know so and so forth and that seemed to suffice and then when this came out of course and it was um it was horrific really you know the way the way they described and one of the best reflections on it i forget who said it now but but i've been thinking about it a lot is that you know, he was not ever, um, at least as far as I know, an officially ordained pastor. There had never been that kind of vetting or at least that type of, well, ordination of him. And so as a result of that, I think there's a, there was this kind of, um, not free agent, but he was, a, he was a loose cannon to a certain degree, like uh, had this kind of celebrity apologetic status. And I think it came upon him. You know, I mean, he's a man, he's a human, so there's weaknesses there that were exploited. Um, And he fell prey to them um, and then abused them early on. And then there was no accountability structure. You know, there was no, he uh, he clearly didn't have. And I think that's, that seems to be almost exclusively the the way that this works. You know, if you look at throughout history, even is that there's some sort of weakness that there's a foothold gained and there's a momentary lapse that then becomes a pattern. And then it becomes a, a um, sort of a shadow self, you know, a secret side. And I think that's something that, you know, I remember as a young, young man, no, newly married, entering into the ministry and knowing full well, you know, having watched sort of the wreckage of some people's lives gone ahead of us in the church. You know, I grew up in Baton Rouge, you know, the specter of Jimmy Swaggart sort of fall from grace there looms large. It's almost like a, a Chernobyl site where his, his, his church was. It's like, you know, there's an enormous uh, development and then you drive past and it's like going through, you know, uh, like Westworld or something, you know, this, this is this uh tumbleweeds through this enormous complex i mean at one point he had something like his ministry required a million dollars a day of donations to maintain it but at one point he had something like you know 500 million people listening to him a week you know between his singing and his uh, and this was back before the internet you know and so that was a powerful reminder as a young man you know growing up that there's no one outside the realm of, of sin death and the devil here and so I remember uh, you know even talking to Liza about it as we got into it I said, you know this seems to be uh, seems to be an area that ministers in particular particularly can, can fall to, and what do we do? you know so we've been eyes open about the reality of sin in our lives you know ever since, and I think part of the part of the problem that arises is that people begin to to underestimate how, how weak and how frail they actually are. You know, it's like, I got this, you know, I can handle this. You know, this is just, it was just one time or one thing, or I'm sure this isn't as bad as it may be, but it's like, well, maybe you should tell someone else and see what they say. You know, it's like, you know, someone starts like, describing, you know, this is not my normal day looks like this. And they're like, man, that is not a normal day. Like you need to go, you need to get that checked. You know, um, you know, everyone has, everyone has these sorts of things in their lives, right? It's like, no, no, they don't. You, we should talk. We should pray, and we should we should get you some help. And I think that's that's one of the problems that Robbie seemed to fallen into is that he had uh, no accountability. He had obviously he had this um, this uh, predatory sinfulness about him, and then he was he was enabled by the people around him uh, that kept covering it up. And I think that's you know that's the recipe uh, for for well what we saw for disaster.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I'm glad you brought that up uh, on Twitter, a guy named Kyle uh, Howard, uh, who tends to be on the more uh, woken, <laughs> woke side of things, awoken settings. He tweeted, Christian, man, your response to news of an abuser who has assaulted women should not be that, quote, that man couldn't have been me or, quote, those uh, women could have been my sister, daughter. Um, I'm sorry, but rather, those women could have been um, my sister, daughter, friend, mother or wife. You're, default to the, over the abuser is, is alarming now it's interesting the tweet seems to indicate that when a guy says hey I got to be careful because that could have been me you're actually empathizing with the abuser and I don't think that's what's happening at all I think I think I think people are saying look oh my goodness I know that I'm a depraved person and this serves as a great example uh, not a good example but a, a, like a great example <laughs> in the sense of of uh, magnitude that I, I I am capable of going there if I don't watch myself. Yeah. To say that is not to say, that. hey, gosh, I really want to abuse women. Man, I'm doing this real urge to rape right now. But, but like you say, that we, apart from the grace of God, apart from his restraining grace, everyone's capable of being you know, worthy either within our hearts. It's only God's grace to keep us going there. And if I don't feel a certain desire to do a terrible thing right now, um, yeah. who knows the way out if I don't watch myself and help ask God for help who knows what I'll want to do, you know, five years from now or 10 years from now. This is why daily confessing your sins, daily exposing yourself before the Lord and to the scriptures and asking him to help you. And all is, is, is vital why it's also important. I think you mentioned this earlier, J.D., if you're married, to give your, your wife uh, or, or your husband permission to look over your shoulder, to look into your Internet usage, to look into have all your passwords, to see what you're doing. Uh, where you are um, online, that's, you, you have to do that because, because sin is like leaven. It, it, it starts out small, but it just spreads and and who knows what you'll be if you let it go without, without trying to check it.
1: And if you don't understand the perniciousness of it and the nature of it, the the actual Christian teaching about sin and the fall, you can see how, People will turn this around on themselves. We we saw this years ago when Mike Pence first became a more public figure when he was nominated to the vice presidency and he had this thing where he wouldn't go out alone with another woman who wasn't his wife. He would always have somebody else with him. He would not be alone with a woman who was not his wife. And the criti- it was he was criticized for this roundly because the idea was he wasn't just acknowledging a sin nature in himself, which of course is exactly what he was doing. He was actually accusing women of somehow at all times alluring him in a way that he was powerless to control and that it was actually his sort of somehow tacit accusation of women which was at work here not his acknowledgement of a sin nature in himself and his need for this accountability and redemption that that we all feel
0: and that by it he was holding women down right because if you if if a a man in a position of authority won't meet with a woman alone then you're you're keeping her from maybe having having a, a relationship with you not not sexual but um that other men could have that might lead to their promotion so yeah um so yeah no you're right it's 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 look I don't think that anyone who follows that Billy Graham rule, is, which is what you're talking about is thinking that women are <laughs> are vixens just waiting for their first chance to get <laughs> to get alone um to Zeus but but look women also have are subject to uh the same temptations maybe in different ways but same temptations that that men are so I think the, the more falls that we see, like Robbie Zacharias and uh, even Carl Lentz earlier, um, the more the Billy Graham rule is seen as, as a pretty wise and, and good thing. Um, I'm not sure if you guys remember um, Amy Bird, who I really respect, and you know, I like Amy Bird a lot, but she wrote a book uh, about why can't, same, why can't we, we be friends? Talking about, and part of it was a crit- critique of the Billy Graham rule, whereas within a sanctified, uh, sanctified, within a, uh, within a group of of people who recognize their, their brotherhood and their sisterhood, there shouldn't be that much of a problem with men and women meeting alone and developing friendships. Well again, yeah. As much as I like Amy Bird, I think that that does.
1: She hasn't seen when Harry met Sally, right? Men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way.
0: It's just this is naive. I mean, I. I and I, I mean, I, again, I, I love Amy Bird, but I, I think it's a little bit naive about him and, and especially the way men think, think about sex. And and I, I think that in my experience, in a way having a wife, I don't think that women see as much, see nefarious purposes as well as as men do. Um, so my wife can say, oh, so-and-so said, so he was so nice to me and he was helping this and that. And I'll say, yeah, right, okay. <laughs> I know what's going on here. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell you because
2: I want you to ruin your friendship. I got outside. Um and I still think the coverage of it, you know, from an unbelieving world. I mean it's it's like an anthropological um, sort of study because look at these people who are trying to do everything they can to maintain some sanctity around this this biological function that we've all come to, to realize is just simply a way of life, you know, some um, that um, consensual sex with however many people as often as you'd like in whatever configuration you want is clearly what we were intended to do. And so look at these strange people that are doing um, this um, archaic uh, sort of mystical um, self support, these support groups. I mean, that's the way people talk about it. You know, they, they can you believe they have these filters they put on their internet you know, to keep them from looking at, you know, what they consider dirty pictures, you know, and this list goes on. I mean, you see the way that they talk about this, the, the the quote unquote problems of evangelical men, you know, controlling their quote unquote lusts, you know, I mean, this is what, this is how it's being covered. And I think that that at the heart of it, it's, it's a rejection at the heart of the, the sort of incredulity of it is a, is a rejection of what what we're trying to do, however imperfectly and often, um, and at, at times like in Robbie and with, with certain examples of great uh, failures, is trying to maintain a sanctity around this, uh, around sex that, that an unbelieving world finds ridiculous. And so when we, when there are high profile people who have exhibited their um, depravity in this area, and and particularly their um their fallenness, then it becomes a time, like a cause celeb, you know, of, of look, see, we told you, we told you. And, and look, it doesn't even work. Even for your most, your, your best and brightest can't follow this, this ridiculous rule. And I think that's what, what sort of the suffuses a lot of the coverage of this is, you know, I mean, there are people that go on vacation to Thailand specifically for it's like ridiculously, uh, I mean, abhorrent and, and unfathomably, uh, depraved um, sexual freedoms, quote unquote, that people have. I mean, literally go on vacations for this. And so there's no outrage over that. There's no, there's no scorn. Uh, there should be, you know, and thankfully Christian people are fighting for that. I mean, Nick and I know, you know, who's proves that ministry that, that works particularly with human trafficking. I mean, there's, there's a huge heart at the, there, there's a huge beating heart in evangelicalism with among evangelical men for the protection of, of women and and uh, people who are being abused and people who are who are the victims of people even like Ravi Zacharias I mean like no one's defending what he's doing as far as I know no one's defending saying like well that's just men will be men or something like this you know we are we are in this simultaneous world of being sinners and hopeful saints as it were and uh, we are not in any way excusing the depravity that besets us all. And yet we're still fighting for something that the world cannot believe, which is that there is a sanctity to sex that is, that is a gift from God that is to be protected. And when it is violated, whether outside of marriage um, or worse, then it needs to be exposed and, and corrected and punished if necessary. But we're still going to uphold this, this ideal. It's going to make people like Mike Pence and Billy Graham seem laughable and have all of these people paint these? Oh, you know, look at that Neanderthal or whatever, and that's fine. That's fine because what he's fighting for is something that you may not believe or even understand, but we can see and celebrate and support. And if that means you have to have some meetings outside at Starbucks as opposed to you know night or uh, late night or whatever, then so be it. For me, again, I mean, we're not talking about Robbie now. I mean, I think we've covered that. That was that's a tragedy, and I think that that whatever happens to, to, to that, you know, we're going to watch that play out. But going forward, the the idea that we would be self-consciously aware of our failings, uh, of our propensity to sin, both men and women, and then take uh, precautions so that we would not find ourselves in situations um, anywhere close to what uh, we see with some of these people is not, not something to be apologized for, it's something to be celebrated. And I think that's where I, I get um, frustrated with the, you know, with the it's like, you know, so you don't want to you don't want to have a Mike Pence or Billy Graham rule. And yet then when something like this happens, then you want what, to what is it like? What 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 how do we how are we supposed to go forward? You know, in certain people's minds. And so, you know, what they really what some people really want to say is we well, just shouldn't be a Christian at all. And just do what consenting adults do whenever they want. And let's just get over this hang up, this moral hang up about um about uh, sex at all and get with the program.
1: The other question that I see being asked is what does this now do to the body of work that exists by Ravi Zacharias and others? Do we now have to look at it askance? Do we have to cancel everything that came before because of the revelations about not only what happened after, but what was happening the whole time? And I wonder I think it's just a a true thing to say that if somebody proclaimed good news to you, whoever you are and whoever that somebody was, they were a depraved sinner. They were, I think, as Martin Luther said, a beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. How do you guys navigate the, the corpus of work that exists by people who have come to light as really bad people? Yeah,
0: I've been reading a lot of things, people saying, Well, I'm gonna burn his books. I'm gonna um I'm never gonna recommend them to anybody, or I'm just gonna take them off my shelf and put them in a box. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the way to go. Uh I read an article that said we shouldn't be saying right now is that is go back to that old trope that God can use bad people to do good things. Yes, we should. <laughs> we should
1: we there should are go no back- other kind of people. <laughs>
0: yeah, we should go back to that old trope because that old trope is true. Um yeah, I I, I, in the future, if I'm going to recommend a book by Ravi Zacharias, I will say, look, this guy was, uh, you know, turned out to do some, do some wicked, horrible things, um, but this book, he wrote some true things in it. So I'm giving this to you just, just to let you know, but I know the background, but I do not want you to judge it on the content, not, in, um, not on the person who wrote it. I mean, think about all the things we have to throw out. <laughs> My name's
1: on the cover of a book with somebody who lost his ministry due to an affair. <laughs> oh wow! Right, <laughs> right there on right.
0: the cover. I mean, I, I read Bart. I don't like all the things Bart says, of course, but but I read Bart, and he was, you know, he was living with another the woman mistress, Right. in same house for, for a long time. It was. Uh, oh yeah,
2: Thomas Merton. You know, you have Tom um, Thomas Merton, Jean Paul Vanier. You know, I mean, you've got this you know, this history of people. And I think, you know, I think you do have to recognize, I mean, I think there's, there's, there is a detriment. I mean, there's, there's going to be a, you know, a black mark on his books and his ministry going forward. I mean, there's no question, like some of his, you know, logical arguments about Jesus among other gods and things like this, are going to stand the test of time, but they're not necessarily ones that are that are unique to him. You know, I think when we listen to him or when we read his books, it's going to be shrouded and uh, uh, shrouded and covered by this, this reality, knowing that the same man that was simultaneously saying this was also doing these things. I mean, that's a tough pill to swallow. So I don't think there's any sense in sort of saying that it won't affect him negatively, but I agree with you, Matt. I think that there's a humanity to it that will simply have to be um, acknowledged. And for some people that will be too, you know, it'll be too egregious and too, you know, for a variety of reasons, too, too much to handle. And, and for others, it'll be a, um, it'll be, you know, selective, they'll have to selectively choose what they can and cannot take from him. But I think that you're exactly right, that there is a, a sinful reality to every human writer purporting to speak for God that will be, Less than perfect, as as they you know as, as history judges them. And So I think that that all of the people that we we've mentioned are people who are um, you know as we say uh, have feet of clay.
0: So there's another there's another aspect of this is that was left out immediately, right? So so what ha- what happened? And, I, and there's some truth to it. What happened when when the accusation started surfacing? Well, there was there was it seemed like a little bit of a circle of the wagons approach around Robbie. And, and there, there's, there's some good. There's some good in that, and there's some evil in that. The good in that is, I think, that by, by Scripture we are required to wait until we have evidence and witnesses before we presume that something wrong is going on. We we can't just quote unquote believe the women. I I, I understand. I, I understand why after case after case after case, people say, you know, whenever someone makes an accusation, it's always true. It's not always true. You can even say the majority of the times it's true, but but it's not always true. Regardless, it's always evidence, worth
1: investigating. Probably, yeah. Biblical
0: standards require the presumption of innocence until 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 otherwise proven. So so there's 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 that that aspect of the of the response to the allegations on the on the, on the part of RZM, RZIM was 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 fine. At the same time, you know, as evidence kept mounting, um, at least the reports I'm reading uh, suggested there was still a kind of we're not even going to investigate this. We're not even going to. Are we? We're going to have a kind of tilted investigation where we're going in with with our half blind. So, so I I, I think all I have to say that there was there was a lack of transparency on on Robbie's part and 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 a, and a refusal to insist on transparency on the part of those who were around him, which I think uh, ended up hurting lots of women. And and that's a good that's a that's something I think we can all take away from that. I want my staff to know they can come into my office at church and look in my computer or ask for my phone if they want to if they're worried about something. I, I don't want to have any kind of I don't want to have any kind of hidden aspect of my life. I don't want to have a separate phone. You know, for, yeah. Um, yeah. That my wife doesn't even know about it. Right? <laughs> there, there's and, and I want my staff to feel comfortable saying to me, hey, look, this, uh, we've, we've observed this relationship and it looks kind of weird. Can you talk to us about that? Every, the, every Christian which should foster that kind of openness and willingness to be investigated if, if there's a kind of accusation that comes up, up against him
2: i still feel like again i mean i don't i don't spend a lot of time needing to defend ravi i think clearly if if the allegations are true which they seem to be it's devastating and he was two-faced you know he's saying one thing and doing another and i think that's um you know there's a long history of that being condemned and jesus had a lot of things to say about that and so you know now he's dead and the lord will deal with him in his providence but but going forward what I wrestle with, and again, I may have sound like a broken record here, but you know, it's not—it's—it's not, it's, it's not incidental that Larry Flint just died, you know, a, a week or so ago. You know, the, the the hustler empire. You have this culture that that evangelical men are a part of, which is suffused and saturated with unimaginable filth and depravity, almost unavoidably so. You know, I mean, things that pass for. Um, mainline television even um, would have been considered X-rated, you know, only two generations ago, perhaps, or even unthinkable to our great great grandfathers. And so we have this, this, this interesting situation where this, there's this like, you know, this, this elation around um, the quote unquote evangelical that you read through twitter about um what's wrong with the evangelical men's groups you know they get together and they talk about lust they talk about um internet pornography and their addiction to it they talk about uh their problems with themselves and all these things as if that's not something true as if it's not something that you know that we are actually trying to stop the avalanche of what we would consider to be depravity that is just washing through our culture and we are you know, as I like it at one time, the, the, when someone accused me uh, when I was living in Europe of being, um, they said, oh, you American evangelicals are all just obsessed with sex. I think we said this before. And I said, well, you know, uh, there's a sex toy store uh, when you get off the airplane in Vienna. You know, I was like, so we are simply trying to put some boundaries around it, whereas you have just embraced it. And so there's going to be some some conflict that we run into that you're not going to. And so I feel, you know, again, I don't, I don't, not defending, and I don't even need to spend any time with all the people that have fallen, and, and you know, justice will prevail, God willing, well, ultimately in His in His justice. But going forward, there's no problem with the "quote unquote" male evangelical teaching on on sex. It's that we are actually the ones recognizing the problem, and we're the ones who are doing our best with faults and halts and stops to to actually um, submit ourselves to Christ and be com- brought into conformity with him. And that's a difficult task. And it's one that requires accountability and confession and it will have, uh, you know, you, we will fail, but God willing, you know, we are in an accountable and confessing situation where the failures are slight and small and aren't able to be covered up to the point where they become uh, massive and, and, you know, destroy people's lives and ministries. I mean, I feel for the people who work for Ravi Zacharias, you know, who were defending him and had no idea, you know, and were and now find themselves, you know, really, um, you know, who knows? I mean, questioning all sorts of things, and that's, you know, that there's just a wake of devastation in light of unconfessed and uh, predatory sin, and you could call it whether it's sexual sin, it's pride, it's lust, it's all of the seven, you know. I mean, if you want vanity, you want greed. You know, I mean all of these things when left un unconfessed and unaccounted for and, and then um, can result in the destruction of, of people's lives. And so we we believe that. We actually believe that to be true. So we take we we try to avoid that, you know, and so it's it's um I'm not it's unapologetically trying to avoid that. You know, we're not. We're not. We think greed, unrestrained greed, is is an evil. You know, we think uh, we think pride is something you should be confessing. We think lust is something that is a sin, and we're not going to apologize for that. And so, um, again, that's part of this discussion is that is that like you brought up in the beginning, Nick, is that somehow what we are teaching contributed to uh, what Robbie was doing, and I just reject that. I, I reject that. I think the what Robbie was doing would have been unmitigated evil. That had anyone had any idea about it, the people that did should be held accountable too. But certainly, had anyone that I know had heard of what he was doing, would have immediately said, "The Lord may forgive you, but I'm calling the police." You know, <laughs> that's sort of that's sort of the way I understand it. And and so I think you know it, I, I I got into a conversation with the rector here about this because I feel like we've been we have been uh gaslit the christians have been gaslit in this culture to somehow apologize for what we which is considered to be straightforward christian teaching which is that that we should avoid you know avoid lust you know um the, the the lust of the flesh the eyes and the pride of life as john says and so whatever whatever you need to do to do that then we're going to support what however strange that puts you in the eyes of your fellow coworkers or the unbelieving world will then um, so be it. Um, and I think that's that's really what I'm what I'm reacting to going forward, because, you know, how we deal with fallen teachers is, the you know, we have to do that with with in, in every capacity. I mean, think of all the think of all the 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 non-Christian philosophers who have to still read Heidegger You have to still deal with with uh, Woodrow Wilson and his like unrestrained racism. You know, how, how we have to deal with human beings who are. Who are uh sinners and evil sinners not just you know not just you know how do we deal with that well we deal with that the way that we do we take as the bad judgments necessary and we move forward and so you know people never if Robbie zacharias rzim doesn't exist anymore which i wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't well then that's going to be a you know probably a small judgment for what was necessary necessary but um and so be it but going forward um, you know, the whole quote unquote evangelical teaching around sex is not to blame for what happened with Robbie Zacharias.
1: As we finish up here, I'm cognizant of what I think of as the error of the phrase to fall from grace. Grace is not something that we earn, achieve, and then can lose. In fact, when we fall, that is when we need God's grace all the more. And we are grateful um, in our own lives. And that's why we proclaim it to our congregations that grace is for the sinner. um, And even desperate and depraved sinners are upon repentance and faith, not outside the reach of that saving grace of God in Jesus Christ. So, um, we have come to the time of the end of our time this week. Uh, thanks as always for listening. We would love to keep our conversation going perhaps this week more than others. There's so much more that could have been said. Please send us an email at mailbag at standfirminfaith.com. You can join us on Facebook Anglicans for the gospel. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Thanks as always to Matt Kennedy and JD Koch. I'm Nick Lannan. And we'll try to clean up our internet issues next week when we're back. Until then, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, we'll be standing firm.